from the Mercy One Studio. Welcome to Straight Talk, a lively discussion on tough issues impacting our lives. Here's your host, Gene Wells. Hey, welcome everybody to Iowa Catholic Radio and Straight Talk. I am Gene Wells and so blessed to be here in the Mercy One Studio and and to visit with you about issues that that cause us grief, that give us angst, that keep us awake at night. And, um, you know, those of you that are pro-life, uh, this topic today is one you're going to want to pay attention to because I think it will help you in your conversations with folks who think abortion is just A-OK. Um, it, it is straight talk. You've got questions. If you uh, have questions and want to uh, text me at 515-223-1150. I have um, my guest with me, and it's uh, Dr. Catherine Rafferty. She is the, with the Department of Psychology and Communication Study Program at Iowa State University. And um, they did a, a recent, she was a part of a recent um, a project, a case study. It's called Abortion Changes You, a case study to understand the communicative tensions in women's medication abortion narratives. We're going to break that all open with uh, Catherine here in a little bit. Um, you know, so we're, many of us are very, very passionate about pro-life and and for moral reasons, um, to follow the teachings of the church. Yet today we're looking at it from an emotional toll, an analytical perspective. So it gives you a different look at um, a topic that, that you may have talked about from a lot of different perspectives, but maybe not this one. Um, so, you know, we may be able to articulate why abortion is wrong from our own perspective, yet today's conversation will provide you information and stories, which stories do a lot, on the impact women have had who obtained a medication-induced abortion. To those of you with young children, you may want to listen with earbuds or perhaps listen later on our podcast as some of the descriptions our guest may share could be just too much for young ears. So I just I, I give you that little heads up here before uh, when we come back, Catherine will join us after the break. So uh, in Dr. Rafferty's research, she and, and her co-author, Tessa Longbonds, uh, identified four areas of conflict these women experienced after the medication-induced abortion. So this is, um, you know, they had a conflict. Well, this was their only choice. Versus other alternatives. Um, secondly, they were unprepared or knowledgeable. You know, did they think they were knowledgeable and now they found out they really weren't prepared? Relief versus regret. And then silence, how they keep that inside versus openness and sharing that with others. I will let Dr. Rafferty fill you in on how this information was obtained. But before then, some of just a couple of statistics um, that I uncovered in this is research. One out of every four women will undergo an abortion procedure in the U.S. by the time they are 45. And yes, some of them are Catholic. While abortion rates continue to decline, which is good, medication abortions continues to increase. So just 20 years ago, only about 6% of abortions were caused by medication, and today it's over 40%. 
That makes this research even more important because of the emotional toll it takes on women. And lastly, 53% of the women in this survey wanted to keep their baby, yet someone else overruled their choice, either the father of the child or other family members like parents. Hmm. Go figure. Okay, before we get to all of that, some events. Uh, The Young Catholics of the Diocese of Des Moines is hosting a Catholic singles picnic on Wednesday evening, June 30th, beginning at 6 p.m. at Raccoon River Nature Lodge. So if you're single, come check it out. Enjoy some pizza, awesome company, and fun games. For more information, go to Facebook, and their site is Young Catholic of the Diocese of Des Moines, Young Catholics of the Diocese of Des Moines. On Friday, July 9th at noon at St. Francis, Man Up is back. Those luncheons that are so, so popular. So, yeah, July 9th at noon at St. Francis. Mark it on your calendar. You do need to register. It's a free event, but you do need to register so they have food for you. Uh, You can do that at iowacatholicradio.com. Now, get your tickets now for a fun event on July 15th with Lori Morgan and Jesse Keith Whitley at the Horizon Events Center in Des Moines. It's a benefit concert for the Iowa Catholic Radio Foundation. So this event will help secure the future of Iowa Catholic Radio in Central Iowa. You're going to check out all the information at CelebrateCountry.org. Uh, on July 23rd, uh, Iowans for Life is hosting a summer fundraising dance at the Open Air Tent. Uh, 50s and 60s classic rock sounds like, uh, sound like just a great fun event. That's at the Jasper Winery. Uh, order your tickets online at iowansforlife.org. And um, the State Fair. It's coming. It's in August. So know that Iowa Catholic Radio will be back at the Iowa State Fair. And uh, I hope you remember where our booth is. It's by the Bill Riley Talent Stage. So um, we look forward to seeing you there. Um, Some news. Congratulations to Carissa Schweitzer. Uh, Last night, she qualified for the Tokyo Olympics in the 5,000-meter uh, track and field event. Um, she's a graduate of St. Pius X Elementary School and Dowling Catholic High School. So, Carissa, congratulations. We are so proud of you and love to have uh, one of our own uh, participating in the Olympics. Now, today starts the uh, Religious Freedom Week, week um, 2021, Solidarity and Freedom. Now, from the encyclical Fratelli Tutti, uh, It says, solidarity means much more than engaging in sporadic acts of generosity. It means thinking and acting in terms of community. Religious freedom allows the church and all religious communities to live out their faith in public and to serve the good of all. Beginning June 22nd, which is the Feast of Saints Thomas More and John Fisher, the USCCB, that's the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, invites all of us to pray, reflect, and act to promote religious freedom. Now, each day there is a different focus. Today, it's on adoption and foster care. So in that pray component, please pray that children waiting to be placed in a loving home and the caregivers who serve those children will find strength and support from the church. 
That is our prayer for today during Religious Freedom Week. Hey, coming up, we are going to be talking with Dr. Catherine Rafferty. She is with the Department of Psychology Communications Study Program at Iowa State University about her research, recent research, how abortion changes you. It's time for Straight Talk right now on Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning is provided by Blessman International. Blessman International partners with volunteers and donors to provide sustainable programs for children in South Africa by leading a 12-day, all-inclusive experience sharing the heart of Christ with vulnerable children in South Africa. Teams are forming to do something significant in an African child's life. Learn more at blessmaninternational.org. That's blessmaninternational.org. Thank you, Blessman International, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Lee and Eddie in the Morning provided by Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Bell Construction. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at bigredq des Moines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Dowling Catholic Sports is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic. With two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Craig Harper, the Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at 60th and Ashworth in West Des Moines. 515-440-4610 or online ashworthvision.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Catholic Women Now provided in part by Permar Security, providing security solutions for homes and businesses since 1953. Permar Security is a Catholic-owned family business supplying security systems, access control systems, video surveillance, fire alarm systems, and video doorbells. All alarm systems are monitored out of their monitoring center located in the state of Iowa. Permar Security, 515-244-5660, permarsecurity.com. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. This is Jean Wells. And joining me today is Dr. Catherine Rafferty. And if you have questions for uh, Catherine, please text me at 515-223-1150. I have our, our text line open 
And uh, this is a, a an incredible topic. And as I mentioned earlier, if you have small children, some of the stories that Catherine will share with us might be a little too much for young ears. So you may want to uh, listen with earbuds or listen to our podcast uh, after the kiddos take a nap or, or go to bed tonight or whatever. But uh, uh, Dr. Catherine Rafferty is with the Department of Psychology in the Communication Study Program at Iowa State University and recently completed a study entitled Abortion Changes You, a case study to understand the communicative tensions in women's medication abortion narratives. Catherine, thank you so much for joining Iowa Catholic Radio and Straight Talk. Thank you for having me. Well, I have to tell you, I, 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 I this was a little deep for me. I had to, <laughs> I had to, I, I'm reading some of those words and I'm like, these are obviously scientific uh, words. So, you know, I'm like, I had to translate it into my non-scientific brain. So, um, but as I did that, it was, it was fascinating and, and heartbreaking, some of the research you did. So, but before we get into that. I want to find out a little bit about you so that our listeners understand where you personally are coming from when this, when you want to do this research. So share with us a little bit about your background. Okay. Um, well, I grew up in the Des Moines area. I'm mm-hmm. the oldest of four children. I went to Sacred Heart and Dowling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I graduated with my bachelor's and master's from the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. Um, I spent a little bit of time working for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, um, and then I decided I wanted to continue my education and got my Ph.D. from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee in health communication. Uh, And so I study various topics related to family health communication. Mm -hmm. Um, I am married. I have four children. Um, My husband, Dave, works for EMC Insurance, um, and this topic in particular is a little outside the scope of what I tend to do research on. Um, I tend to study pediatric palliative care um, and how families with medically complex children navigate um, the uncertainty that they face as well as uh, other concepts like social support. Um, but I am an associate scholar with the Charlotte Lozier Institute, mm-hmm. um, and they're kind of the research arm to uh, the Susan B. Anthony Foundation. And they had approached me um, with an interest in looking at the topic of medication abortion, um, particularly from a communication perspective. And so we dialogued, and uh, this research study that was published last June um, was something that kind of uh, came to works over about two years Mm -hmm. um, and talking about the topic and then actually conducting the research study. Um, And I worked with uh, Tessa Longbonds, who's a research associate associate with the Charlotte Lozier Institute. Um, She's my co-author on this project. And it was just... um, a very enlightening and eye-opening experience. Um, so, so Catherine, learning you, about this topic. Were you? Um, I mean, other than you know, you're Catholic and and, and following Catholic teachings. Did did you? Are, is this a passionate topic for you? Is this something you're like? Oh yeah, I'm gonna want to. I want to delve into this. Or were you just kind of hadn't given you know, you know, much thought to medicative abortions or. Or, or where were you personally on this subject matter? 
Um, so in terms of this subject matter, I mean, I am a pro-life person. Mm-hmm. I've been pro-life my whole life. Okay. Um, there wasn't anything specifically about medication abortions that, you know, led me to want to pursue this topic. It was something that um, Charlotte Lozier Institute had kind of come to me about. Um, I had to do a lot of research, actually, to learn about this because Mm -hmm. it was something that I didn't really know a whole lot about um, and wanted to make sure that I knew what I was talking about Mm -hmm. um, before I dove into this research study. Yes. Um, So why is it important to... To do this kind of research, I mean, this particular research, why why was the Institute interested in this particular um, kind of narrow uh, slice of the abortion world? Well, medication abortions are the types of abortions that are happening nowadays. Mm -hmm. You know, the typical brick and mortar Planned Parenthood building, um, while they still exist, they are not as prevalent as they were years ago. Um, and so they wanted to kind of study and understand, you know, what are women's experiences with this type of abortion, since this is the, um, the way, the means um, that women are seeking abortion nowadays. Uh, and so there just wasn't a lot of research on it. There's not a lot of academic pro-life research in general, mm-hmm. um, right. especially in the social sciences. Um, you know, a lot of the, the articles that I, I read to write up the literature review and kind of set the foundation for this study um, are very left-leaning and pro-choice. Mm-hmm. Um, they wouldn't even, you know, refer to the pro-life group as pro-life. It was always referred to as anti-choice. <laughs> um, and so I, I just felt like, you know, if somebody's going to do an honest assessment of this topic to really kind of understand, you know, where these women are coming from without, you know, just saying, you know, my body, my choice, you have to come into it with an open mind. You have to, you know, call the groups for who they are, you know, Mm -hmm. it's the pro-life group and the pro-choice group. Um, Those are the names that they've kind of coined for themselves. Um, And so we, we really tried to, um, through this research study, allow the women's voices to be heard. I yeah. do qualitative work. Um, and so this method, this theory that I study, I've studied it in other contexts. I've never used the medication abortion um, context to, to study this theory or to use this methodology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, that was a first time for me. Um, but well, Let's talk a little bit about that, about this important. process. Um, I mean, we have so, there is so much, even in the brief that I read, um, we'd need five hours to scratch the <laughs> surface. So um, just share a little bit about the the process of this, this research process that you used. Yeah, so um, our study was an inductive study, uh, meaning that we kind of came about this through looking first at... Um, the women's narratives that we analyzed. Uh, we went to the website abortionchangesyou.com. Um, it is a website that was created by a woman who has had an abortion, um, and she wanted to provide a space um, for women to talk about and share their experiences. Um, and so we went to this Either website. Either good or bad, right? 
Yes. Positive, either good negative, or bad. There was no judgment. It's just, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not a political site. Um, it's not something that is particularly, you know, pro-life or pro-choice. It's basically a platform um, for women to anonymously write their own personal story um, without judgment, without comment, um, to just basically share, you know, in whatever raw details they want to record um, what experience was. Mm-hmm. And so we felt like, you know, this website would be a good website um, because it does have um, that, you know, sense of um, anonymity. Um, it also is something where, you know, the woman who created this site in the About You section has acknowledged that she herself has had an abortion. Um, so there might be that sense of um, trust that's established if somebody's had that, you know, not feeling like they're going to be judged in a particular way. Um, and so on this website, um, like I said, women can anonymously post their story. Um, we went through and we extracted all the blogs that specifically talked about medication abortion, since that was the focus, mm-hmm. um, was learning about this new type of abortion. There were 98 blogs in total um, that we read and analyzed. Um, and, uh, and this was over a significant blogs, number of years. So it wasn't a, a snapshot in, in a six month window. No. So the blogs have been posted between October of 2007, all the way up to February of 2018. Mm-hmm. And when okay. we first started this study, it was in March of 2018. Um, so it was, you know, well over a decade of, you know, various women who had posted their story on this website. So as we, as you looked at that, and again, you said it was qualitative, so you're not, other than counting the number of women, 98 women, you know, it's not a quantitative, Mm -hmm. you know, analysis. Um, And I do want to, if you can share where folks could find either the complete research or even the brief that you shared with me, um, where could they find that for their own reference? Yeah. Um, so in terms of the brief that I had shared with you, um, a, a website, a research lab um, that I work with undergraduate research students from Iowa State, and that's www.familyhealthcom.com. Otherwise, um, Intervisions Healthcare had recently posted the study in full on their news and events page um, after their uh, 2021 gala. Mm-hmm. Yes, and Brian Gonzalez was the one who had recommended you to me, so now I know the rest of the story. Okay. <laughs> um, so so our, our, our listeners understand, you know, they may um, know what a surgical abortion is roughly, but when we talk about a medication abortion, describe what that is. So we're all coming at this from the same perspective. Yes, Um So with a medication abortion, um, basically it is where a woman woman, uh, gets medication, Mm -hmm. um, gets some drugs, some pills. I'm totally going to botch the names because that's not my area of expertise. Well, I always think of RU486 because that was was the telemedicine med that I first learned about. So some drug, drug A and drug B, right? 
Yeah. Yes. Um, and basically, it has a success rate of up to 99% for early pregnancy termination. Um, it is considered to be uh, kind of not something that causes serious adverse events if it is something that's taken early on in pregnancy. Um, and so a lot of the research that's on medication abortion is simply looking at kind of, you know, are these terminations successful? Um, what are women's access to receive these medications? Um, what does it look like in terms of in-person clinic visits? Um, because now, nowadays, oftentimes women aren't even really interacting with a healthcare provider. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not um, to secure these drugs and to kind of um, go through the medication abortion experience. And so we felt like it was important to really understand, you know, what is it that these women are experiencing, experiencing since um, in this particular um, event, oftentimes they are alone. They're by themselves, they're at home, they're in their bathroom, or they're, you know, in their bedroom, their kitchen, what have you, um, and the abortion is happening at their home instead of going to a clinic and having a surgical abortion where, you know, some sort of provider is uh, doing a procedure um, to that woman. So there, um, since there's not a medical professional really involved, there are no restrictions as to how far along in the pregnancy you can take a medication to induce an abortion um I mean, yes, it's intended for early on in the pregnancy, but, you know, you could be a month, two months, three months, whatever, because there's no regulations, I'm guessing. So specifically to that, I can't speak. Okay. Um, I'm sure that in terms of the, you know, the medical background, there is probably, a, um, you know, a certain amount of time where, you know, it's more effective in terms of how far along you are in the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main thing that, you know, we were interested in, in terms of, you know, the social science aspect was, you know, these women are alone Mm -hmm. oftentimes doing this, you know, they're removed from their support system. You know, they're, even if they are interacting with a healthcare provider, you know, part of this process is happening at home. Mm -hmm. Um, and while others may be around, it, it is becoming a more personalized experience. And so, trying to understand, you know, where are these women at? You know, what are they feeling? What's going through their head? You know, that's why going through, you know, these unsolicited blogs um, was so important Mm -hmm. um, and provided a lot of credibility for the study because nobody was out there soliciting or telling these women, hey, tell me about this. You know, these women were anonymously coming to this website to write their own story mm-hmm. and to, you know, allow their voices to be heard. Um, and many of them had shared in their unsolicited blogging narratives that they found this website or they came to this website because they didn't feel like they could go anyplace else and not be judged or criticized or condemned or even just like, you know, heard all the way through. Right. Well, we're going to get at these emotional toll here after our break with uh, with my guest, Dr. Catherine Rafferty, and um, both some of the issues that underline 
uh, underlie these these conflicts that women are feeling, as well as stories uh, from some of the women that were in um, from their own blog posts and their own words. So um, it's uh, they're heart wrenching. Um, so stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. Thank you to Mercy One for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. From the cardiovascular experts at the Iowa Heart Center to the pediatric services of Mercy Children's Hospital and Clinics. Mercy provides complete care for Central Iowa's adults and children with more than 50 primary care and specialty clinics in the Des Moines area. Find a convenient Mercy One location near you. Online at mercydesmoines.org. Since 1924, St. Vincent de Paul has been helping those less fortunate work towards self-sufficiency. Last year, St. Vincent de Paul helped over 20,000 individuals with food, clothing, and shelter, while also offering classes in financial literacy, high school completion, career readiness, and prisoner re-entry. SVDPDSM.org, 515-282-8327. Shop, donate, volunteer, serve. This message was brought to you by Homemakers Furniture. Iowa Catholic Radio and the Iowa Catholic Radio Foundation welcomes country artist Lori Morgan, presented by Mercy One. Lori Morgan. To the Horizon Event Center, July 15th. With Jesse Keith Whitley and Eli Alger. Alger. Learn more at CelebrateCountry.org. CelebrateCountry.org. Sponsored by Valiant Wealth Family Office. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio in Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo is provided by Confluence Brewing Company, a local brewery featuring seasonal and limited-release beers located off the bike trail south of Grays Lake and online at confluencebrewery.com. Confluence Brewing Company has growlers to go, apparel, and other gifts for family and friends. Confluence Brewing Company is available for curbside service and would like to thank you for your support. Thank you, Confluence Brewing Company, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarans strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop, priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsarah.org, joinserra.org. Thank you, Sarans, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. The Diocese of Des Moines is now offering the option of receiving the Catholic Mirror digitally. If you would like to receive your copy of the Catholic Mirror in a digital format via email instead of your regular copy that comes in your mailbox, visit dmdiocese.org slash catholic mirror. That's dmdiocese.org slash catholic mirror. You'll see the digital version heading at the top and a hyperlink on sign up here. Visit dmdiocese.org slash catholic mirror. That's dmdiocese.org slash catholic mirror. Bielder Can Construction. Not going along with the crowd will help you stand out in the crowd. Bielder Can Construction proudly supports Iowa Catholic Radio. Bielder Can Construction is a commercial general contractor providing pre-construction, estimating, and scheduling services through completion of construction. We can build projects ranging from tenant improvements and historical renovations to high-rise buildings. We build confidence. Learn more about the nearly 40 projects in the Des Moines metro area completed by Bielder Can Construction by visiting www.bdconstruct.com. 
Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. We'll be in the mid-80s and mostly sunny for the afternoon, but we do have a little warm front moving through, so we can't roll out a shower or thunderstorm, and it will be a little bit breezy. Tonight, cloudy skies and a pretty good chance of showers late are low in the mid-60s. Tomorrow, warmer will be in the upper 80s, breezy and sunny, and then we have increasing rain chances starting Wednesday night and Thursday. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. Hey, during that break, we got a text in from Maggie DeWitty. Maggie, Maggie is the executive director for uh, Iowans for Life, and she let us know that the FDA says it's 11 weeks that you can take a medication for to induce an abortion, but um, that abortion providers don't necessarily adhere to that guideline. So... And also, she texted that in Iowa, the RU486 is now available through the U.S. mail. So even less uh, medical assistance available to women, which, uh, as we hear these stories from my guest, Dr. Catherine Rafferty with the Department of Psychology, the Communication Study Program at Iowa State University, that's going to make it even scarier as we talk about some of these situations. So, Catherine, thank you so much for joining me. Now, you're... Your research um, broke it into four different components. So I want to take um, time to go through each one of those a little bit. Um, so the first one was um, some women felt only choice versus there were other alternatives. So so explain that a little bit. Yeah, so when we read these stories, we didn't kind of go into it thinking we were going to divide and chunk things a particular right. way. Mm-hmm. We just kind of read these stories. And the very first thing that all of these women started talking about was the decision. You know, Mm. how did I come to this decision of Mm -hmm. deciding to have a medication abortion? And um, one of the the themes that we found within this decision was this tension between feeling like the medication abortion was their only choice, something that they had to do, versus an awareness of other alternatives, such as, choosing to parent the child, or choosing adoption. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, one of the women had said, I always leaned more towards keeping the baby. My boyfriend leaned more towards abortion. I knew I could have the baby, but it would be difficult. We both worked jobs, barely get paid minimum wage. We were scared to grow up and to care for this child, and that led me to choose an abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you could see, you know, her kind of thought process and vacillating back and forth between, you know, what do I do? Here's what I want to do, but here's what my boyfriend wants to do, um, and here's the situation that we're in. And so they're aware that there's these other alternatives or that they're feeling the desire to become a parent and, you know, the mother to their child, um, but they're feeling that pressure um, that they can't do it or they're ill-equipped or, you know, they don't have the money or, you know, any other um, obstacle that they're identifying in terms of their their abilities to, to choose the child. Well, how much did, I mean, there, this is such a political issue and there are so many messages out there from the, the, um, the pro-choice movement and the pro-life movement. How much did um, all of that... Uh, publicity around certain word choices in influence. Could you see that at all? It's like, oh, well, you know, it's my, 
I think you said my body, my choice earlier, you know, it's like how mm-hmm. much of that influenced women to think that this was their only choice? Quite a bit. Um, there was actually a quote uh, from a woman in 2017 that stuck out to me. She says, they all tell you, quote, it's your choice in the moment, but you don't feel like it is. Being unable to afford it, unable to tell your loved ones, not having the help or feeling unable to support a child when your partner doesn't want it like you do, all these things push you, blind you to a decision that you don't realize will destroy you in the end, Hmm. Um, which I think very you know, pointedly shows um, an awareness of all of these outside messages that are kind of circling in these women's minds as they're, you know, making these decisions. Mm-hmm. Well, and and when it, you know, she talks about it, you know, impacting you the rest of your life, you know, it's not just the um, the knowledge that you have chosen to abort your child, but then the immediate short-term impact, the, the medical impact, the, you know, this should be take a pill, you get your period, baby's gone, I'm good to go. And mm-hmm. that, that really, I mean, that probably fits into some of these other categories better, but, you know, you think, you know, the only choice, it's like, well, this is kind of easy. The, it's a choice. Yeah. You know, they may have prayed about it and thought about it, but, you know, it's like, well, this is an easy choice. It's it's not going to be that big of a deal. And not, yeah, not and that, I mean, kind of lends itself into the next part of the, the story when women were writing their stories, and that was the medication abortion process. Mm-hmm. So women talked about feeling unprepared versus feeling knowledgeable um, and the tension between the two. Um, One woman said they lied to me and said they would give me some pills that would make it um, just like a late period with a little cramping. The pain of the contractions was so intense that I felt my intestines were pulled out slowly. I collapsed, screaming on my bathroom floor, sweat, tears, blood, and vomit. Mm. Um, And so, you know, there was this sense of um, feeling lied to, feeling deceived, um, and feeling like, you know, they were told, oh, it's just going to be this. Um, and then it's something that's, you know, far worse or far different than what they had imagined. Um, and other research has also found the same thing. There was a research study in Sweden of 119 women who had had a medication abortion that was published in 2016. And they found that almost half of those women experienced more bleeding than what they thought they were going to experience. Um, one-fourth of those 119 women bled for more than four weeks. And one-third of those 119 women that said that they received insufficient information of what to expect. And oftentimes it was women who had not um, been pregnant before, so they were pregnant for the first time, having a medication abortion that... Um, they felt even more deceived because, you know, they didn't really know what to expect. They were first-time moms. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the the long-term impact? You know, you had this medication abortion, you you know, all of this this um, physical impact. Has there been research and around their ability to have a, a baby afterwards? I mean, I've always heard, you know, through, through some things that I've read that, you know, it, it, 
decreases your um, chance of having successful pregnancies. Does medication abortions? I know that's outside of the scope of this study, but um, did you come across? I mean, from that? what? Yeah, from from the research that I read, I mean, it can definitely have an impact on your fertility. It mm-hmm. can definitely impact um, just you know your desire to have children in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there can be medical complications um, that can result, um, and so it's it's not something that you can just take and and walk away unscathed. Um, you know, that's just from the physical end. You know, one of the things that that we found within our data set looked at women's identity after the medication abortion. Um, And while there was oftentimes an initial sense of relief, um, there was a tremendous amount of regret that women shared and talking about things like depression Mm -hmm. um, or suicidal ideation. Um, And so it's not just um, on the physical end that you can have um, implications from the medication abortion, but also in terms of your your mental health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you just you shake your head, and 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 I encourage our listeners as as you hear this information to um, not just be you know saddened by it, but to uh, embrace this information as a part of your toolkit as. When others are trying to convince you that abortion should be, you know, you know, legal and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But to know and to be able to respond back to folks with this emotional impact, the emotional toll that it has on women. Um, you, you mentioned that, you know, they were relieved versus they had regret. So if you were to take those the women that you studied, we're going to have to finish the rest of this after the break. But um, what percentage would you say were, um, had relief that the baby's gone versus regret that they had lost their baby? So it wasn't so much an either or Mm -hmm. as a both and. Um, Mm. And I mean, we had found that most women, um, which was about 83% of our sample, um, had talked about the abortion changing them in some way which, I mean, isn't so surprising since right. the name of the website is right. Abortion Changes You. Mm-hmm. Um, but to share a quote from one of the wo- women who had posted on this, she said, at first it seemed like a weight had been lifted, everything was okay. But then I started to feel really sad and low. And now all I do is think about how many weeks pregnant I would have been, what mm. my baby would have looked like, and I miss um, him so much. Mm. And so... I mean, with a lot of these examples, you know, there was this, you know, initial kind of sigh of relief, like, I don't, I'm no longer pregnant, I don't have to um, worry about certain people finding out. Um, But then as they kind of sat with that decision, you know, as it kind of became a part of who they are, um, and their awareness of that became clearer, they were you know, realizing what they truly had done, that maybe they had made that decision in the heat of the moment or after feeling a certain amount of emotion or because someone kind of forced them to or told them to, um, but then realizing, you know, this this is a part of my story. This mm-hmm. is who I am um, and and feeling very saddened by that. We're going to take our break, and we're going to. When we come back, we'll we'll circle back to this relief and regret. Um, there's other 
information that uh, Dr. Catherine Rafferty would like to share. And then we'll look at the last component, which is um, how do you, you deal with this internally? Are you silent or do you share this openness? And is there even an opportunity to do that? We're going to talk about that when we come back on Straight Talk. You're listening to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. The Man Up West Power Lunch is back Friday, July 9th at noon, St. Francis of Assisi Parish in West Des Moines. Register at iowacatholicradio.com slash events and be part of the Man Up West Power Lunch Friday, July 9th at noon with Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo is provided by Confluence Brewing Company, brewed locally and featuring regular, seasonal, and limited-release beers available at local stores, bars, and restaurants. Confluence Brewing Company at 1235 Thomas Beck Road, off the bike trail south of Grays Lake, and online at confluencebrewing.com. Confluence Brewing Company offers curbside service and would like to thank you for your support. Thank you, Confluence Brewing Company, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Iowa Catholic Radio and the Iowa Catholic Radio Foundation welcomes country artist Lori Morgan, presented by Mercy One. Lori Morgan. Through the Horizon Event Center, July 15th. With Jesse Keith Whitley and Eli Alger. Alger. Learn more at CelebrateCountry.org. CelebrateCountry.org. Sponsored by Valiant Wealth Family Office. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarans strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop, priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsarah.org, joinserra.org. Thank you, Sarans, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. The Diocese of Des Moines is now offering the option of receiving the Catholic Mirror digitally. If you would like to receive your copy of the Catholic Mirror in a digital format via email instead of your regular copy that comes in your mailbox, visit dmdiocese.org slash catholic-mirror. That's dmdiocese.org slash catholic-mirror. You'll see the digital version heading at the top and a hyperlink on sign up here. Visit dmdiocese.org slash catholic-mirror. That's dmdiocese.org slash catholic-mirror. Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. This is Jean Wells, and my guest is Dr. Catherine Rafferty. She is with the Department of Psychology Communication Study Program at Iowa State University and had uh, recently completed a, a case study called Abortion Changes You, a case study to understand the communicative tensions in women's medication abortion Narrative. So, Catherine, I, I want to come back on the relief and, and versus regret. And is there uh, something that you'd like to add to that particular topic? Yeah, I mean, I think the, like I was saying before the break, you know, it's important to not just say, you know, these were the women who had relief and these had regret. Mm-hmm. I think that's what um, the different movements would um, both pro-life and pro-choice want to, you know, kind of divide. Sure. Um, but an acknowledgement of, you know, it's a both and that many of these women are experiencing. Um, you know, they're experiencing this initial relief, but then this kind of long-term regret. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, 75 out of the 99 different blogs that we 
analyzed used the word regret um, hmm. when they were talking about their decision. Um, and so it's not that these women are just kind of flippantly making a decision and walking away unscathed. You know, it really is the becoming a part of their story and is something that many of these women, um, sadly and unfortunately, are kind of suffering in silence and turning to mm-hmm. websites like this um, to kind of open up and share their mm-hmm. story and talk about, you know, what it is that they're really feeling and, you know, why they made that decision um, and how they're living with that decision, you know, in the present moment. And for the rest of their lives. I mean, and that really gets yeah. at that last mm-hmm. component that you di- you discovered in the research, that the silence versus openness, that they... The silence in in reading the brief really equated to shame in in how I read that. It's like they they didn't want to tell family. They didn't want to tell the father, their parents, their friends, for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's a lot. That's a burden to carry. That's a burden to carry for a lifetime. Yes, 60% of our sample reported feeling some sort of isolation or alienation. One woman said, I feel like I'm living a lie. I get up, go to work, get my family up like normal, any normal person on a normal day, um, but I'm not normal. I killed my baby. I'm a monster. Mm. I mean, to, to think that about yourself, you know, day in and day out. Um, a different woman went on to say, as a mom, I feel like a monster and I'm supposed to act like nothing's happened. You know, these, these are very demeaning language choices right. um, that women are using to, to describe themselves, to describe who they are, um, and, you know, to really kind of say, like, this is how I think about myself. And, I mean, I, as a wife and a mother, like, that's just so, so heart-wrenching mm-hmm. to think that someone... Um, would would think of themselves as as a monster. Well, and you know, there's really I mean when you suffer from depression, there's there's a couple of choices here. Yes, you can um absolutely seek some therapy and counseling that can help you get over those negative um uh, negative tapes that you're playing in your head. Um, mm-hmm. not to affirm whether the decision was right or wrong, but to to change those tapes and and those of us in, in the Catholic Church are blessed with the sacrament of reconciliation to, you know, if you do have regret, to to go to that sacrament, to um, to be healed through that sacrament, receive the grace through that sacrament so that that you can move forward. I mean, it's it's a it's a two part healing process. So um, definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, but Catherine, I do. You know, as you look at the the overarching theme of of your research and and what you've discovered, um, what are your your big takeaways from this? So, I mean, first and foremost, I think it's an awareness and an understanding um, that this medication abortion experience is rife with tension and with contradiction. Um, that many of the women are not just flippantly making a decision or it's not just this easy choice, um, but it's something that, that's very complex. Um, it's very much so influenced by other people, um, whether that is their uh, husband or boyfriend or um, other family members and even, you know, the pro-life and the pro-choice movement. 
Um, all of these messages are influencing and shaping, you know, what these women think, um, whether, you know, they come to this decision or not. Um, and so I think kind of this awareness and acknowledgement of, like, these messages matter. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it just makes, I think, an even greater case for the truth um, to be told. And um, this, you know, sense that, you know, these women are, are desiring truth. Um, and sometimes it's, unfortunately and sadly, they're receiving messages that are, are masked as truth. Um, but they're not really mm-hmm. the truth. Right. Um, and, and many of these women, um, unfortunately, realized that too late um, and, and shared that in their story. So, uh, Catherine, what's next then? How, how is this research going to be used? I mean, nobody wants to spend two years of their life on a project and have it go on a shelf. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's yeah. Like, you know, what do we, what, how do we get the message out? What do we... What what is your hope for the next step? Well, um, I think just uh, an awareness of you know this research is important because, like I said, there's this study is pretty unique. Um, there's not a lot of research out there um, on this topic, especially from a social science perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the research is looking at um, this biological perspective or, you know, some sort of outcome, um, but looking simply at, well, what are these women experiencing um, and using this evidence-based research to kind of influence um, legislation. I know CLI works with the other branches and areas within the Susan B. Anthony Foundation and mm-hmm. that they've been promoting and sharing this research um, with different federal legislatures. Um, I know of uh, churches and pro-life organizations who are uh, blasting and sharing this study Mm -hmm. um, so that way people can see that, you know, there is evidence-based research that's been published in a peer-reviewed journal uh, that is highlighting kind of the complexity of this issue, um, but also airing, you know, showing this voice of, you know, the pro-life movement um, and the fact that you know, these are the words of these women, you know, ultimately with this case study, um, our goal, our desire through this qualitative study was to provide an outlet um, to simply kind of thematically categorize what it is that they were saying. You know, these are their words. They're not my words. That's what um, I loved about I the, just, what you sent was that these there were so many quotes from the women's blogs themselves that it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, your analysis of what they said, which was there, but it was also what they said. Yes, yes. And, and that's the beauty of qualitative work is that, you know, good qualitative research is supposed to show the voice of the person, or in this case, you know, the blogs um, that we were analyzing Mm -hmm. and to allow their voices to be heard and to shine through the results um, and to kind of expose, you know, what it is that um, we're gleaning Mm -hmm. uh, from the findings. Well, I'm uh, I'm going to ask for that website again here, but I want to encourage all of our listeners, if you're on a pro-life committee or you're on a committee at any church, um, and you could share this, if you are involved with a, a, a pro-life organization, 
um, to share this information, you know, just link it, link this website, link this article, the brief, the research, whatever, and send it out to your friends. Even if you're not on any committee, just send it out to your friends and say, I thought you'd find this interesting. So, Catherine, share that um, link again so that folks can go and, and pull that document and send it out to folks. Yeah, most definitely. So um, my research lab website is familyhealthcom.com. Otherwise, um, if it's easier, you can just email me. It's my last name, Rafferty, at iastate.edu, and I'd be happy to send you a copy of the article. Um, or else the third place is Intervisions had recently mm-hmm. shared the study in full on their um, news and events page um, just with the goal of trying to get people to educate themselves um, and to, to read the research because it's not just my research study, but I mean, what we've done is, is grounded in other research. That mm-hmm. was, that's what research is. It's a conversation and yeah. dialogue amongst various other studies. And so you can see what, what other scholars have also kind of found um, on this particular topic. Catherine, thank you so much. Dr. Catherine Rafferty uh, on on Abortion Changes You. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you. I I really appreciate it. I also want to thank my producer, Jimmy Olson. I'm Jean Wells, and today asking St. Gianna Mola, patron saint of of pregnant women, to help them to choose their child over their own challenges or risks. St. Gianna Mola, pray for us. Iowa Catholic Radio is listener-supported station, and we perpetually rely on your prayers and support to continue our mission of connecting listeners with Christ. You can support Iowa Catholic Radio by going online to iowacatholicradio.com or through our Iowa Catholic Radio app. Straight Talk is Tuesday at 10 on Iowa Catholic Radio and always available on podcast through the Iowa Catholic Radio free app. Stay tuned for Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. God bless. Straight Talk, where you get answers to tough issues impacting your life. Listen anywhere at any time via podcast at iowacatholicradio.com. Straight Talk, heard every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Only on Iowa Catholic Radio.